0: This is Drew Breeze. and when I'm not putting Jimmy John's in my face, or coming up with okay. names that start with Bru or sh- or playing war games with my white homies, I'm at BJ's Lounge sipping suds and watching football. <laughs> Who that? At the, at, the at the lounge, at the lounge,
1: at the lounge, I
0: got some opportunity. Obligations at the lounge. There's someone I gotta see. My boys are waiting on me. I got some obligations at the lounge.
2: Who that? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, Obligations at the Lounge.
0: What kind of podcast is this? I can't remember. what
2: We started off as a true crime podcast Mm -hmm. uh, involving history, drama, lore.
0: Current events.
2: Family. Current events. Grief. Grief was involved. uh, Music. Sometimes talking shit. Yeah. And music.
0: Social justice.
2: Sometimes doing that too. Can we be every what
0: can be everything? Yes. BJ's I mean really Well you uh,
2: never know what's gonna happen in that day. You gotta talk about it.
0: That's true. I mean when we sign in we can be like, this is games at the lounge, BJ's
2: Mystery Edition.
0: Yeah. This edition. What's it what is this edition?
2: Hoodad edition. The Hoodad edition. Welcome to football season, everybody. <laughs> It is. It's football Buckle season. Buckle your pants. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I meant to say, like, hike up your pants and tight... I don't yeah. know. I don't know what that meant.
0: Well, we're undefeated.
2: As you can see, I don't know much about sports anymore.
0: Well, are you pumped up for the game?
2: I'm pumped, yeah. I mean... I
0: mean, the season, not the... G- well the g- I mean, I'm, pu- I'm pumped up for the game because we won, man.
2: Yeah, we won the first game. That's a big deal. I mean, I really like sports in New Orleans. I... And from the Chicago area, grew up super into sports then. But then as I got older, I was like, you know, people are kind of crazy about sports. Like, y'all need to calm down. Mm-hmm. But then living in New Orleans, it's a lot less bro here. It's yeah. just a nice, fun time, you know?
0: Well, I mean.
2: I mean, people are still serious about it, as they can and should be, whatever. But I don't know. It just feels more right.
0: Well, as all you listeners probably know, Hmm. the Saints, um, you know, they have a very special place in the hearts of most New Orleanians because of Katrina. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the events uh, after that and how then, you know, when we had very close to nothing here. Yeah. You won the Super Bowl. started getting fucking good. Mm -hmm. And even like, you know, it was like three years before they won the Super Bowl after Katrina. Right. But we made the playoffs. Yeah you know, uh, you know, like that Steve Gleason statue that was from the season that right when we came back and it was just a blocked punt against Atlanta. And it's was like, was, uh, it, it's hard to explain to people outside of new Orleans, like how meaningful the saints yeah. were. And, and it's all, you know, it's sort of irrational, but, uh, like I, I, I could still get choked up talking about the saints,
2: but that's how sports are. It's like when you look at it in a, in one way you're like okay this is a game and these people are getting paid a lot of money to do this and you can nitpick it in all these ways but at the end of the day it creates this camaraderie and this energetic experience that is important and it brings people together especially when you've been through fucking hell yeah and that's beautiful
0: yeah, I'm, it is. It, it there have been some beautiful moments, man. Like those collective va- feelings like when you're in the bar, if you're in BJ's or Vaughn's or wherever you're at. Yeah. Um and like something great happens, come you come from behind, you know, just like this last game how we were able to pull it out and win. Right. Fuck yeah. You know, and everybody's hugging each other and yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh and that's great. The the problem is is it Like, I've had to step back from the Saints, from watching, like, from getting too engaged. Because you're, like, screaming at the TV? Yeah, like, I used to scare my dog. Like, my dog yeah. would, like, run into the n- into the other room. My dad is definitely like and that, like, too. And, like, you know, because and, and, I would start freaking out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, this is, you know, and I think there were maybe some PTSD oh, vibes well, going there. That's maybe possible. because That makes sense. Um, you know, I stayed during Katrina. Yeah. Um, whenever we interview rebel, we'll get into that. Probably. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and it, it uh, I don't know, I, I'm not sure about the PTSD thing, but it was intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but feeling like so connected to a team, um, and then, you know, and then when they lose or when refs make terrible calls and you feel, you know, like that.
2: That someone's cheated that you That kind it's of like, shit you Yeah know?
0: And then it's like Why am I fucking Why am I waking up I'm like the next day I wake up in the morning And I'm still pissed Totally You know it's like Why am I doing this It doesn't really affect my life
2: It probably d- is a little PTSD-ish mm-hmm. Or maybe I think too Sports are this thing That it, uh, it allows people To express emotion When maybe In their other things That they're doing In their day-to-day life They're not And so all of a sudden you're angry or you're sad or you're like joyous all these things and you're like why am I so overwhelmed by emotion but I think it's just an excuse for us to feel those things
0: yeah maybe it amplifies the feelings you already have yeah um but it also can you know if you're bummed out and your team's doing well it can really bring you together totally yeah Um, and make you feel better but in in terms of I, I like how I'm doing you know lately because of being so uh Busy at the bar At the mm, lounge Right While games are on I can stay yeah. occupied With other things So I don't have to Watch the game Like I kind of like Hear what's going on Sure And like But I'm not like Sitting there watching it The whole time So I don't give myself The opportunity To start cursing And yelling And yeah, like to, making An ass of myself Yeah to become obsessive throwing shit Yeah And like be like What's wrong with this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember uh, yeah. being At a game once And yelling And fucking like Bah You know And like a little kid In front of me Like Looking at her, like, what's wrong with this guy? Oh yeah, like, I I don't want to be that person anymore. I I, understand. So my my strategy is to, you know, keep my distance. But like then, you know, when I hear good things happening, I kind of yeah, you poke back in. You know, sometimes we have to protect ourselves from ourselves.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember when my my mom's dad, he was getting older, and he was a big Notre Dame guy. And the doctors were really like, you're not allowed to watch Notre Dame football games anymore no because shit. you're going to fucking die. <laughs> and he was so pissed. But it was like, bottom line, you cannot. Like, th- you will not continue living if you keep getting this worked up all I the time. I totally relate. And so, yeah, he got cut off.
0: But um, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm still a super fan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I grew up in Kansas City, where I was a Kansas City fan. But you know, after Katrina, like I'm never going back to any other teams. The Saints are my team. Totally. I mean, it's just that's how it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, forever till till death. What you know, and yeah. be- and beyond. Okay. Saint. I mean, come on. Yeah. So you know, um, so much so that um, there's this guy that sells junk. Uh, you know, he comes by He just came by today yeah. um, And he uh, you know, has, uh, you know, chairs and furniture and stuff And so I bought some bar stools from him And he had this football helmet mm. And he's like, I'll throw that in And I was like, yes, I want that And I knew immediately what I wanted to do Yeah <laughs> And you're laughing because you know what I did uh, yeah, 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 yeah So I had Murphy mm-hmm. Where you at, Murph? Yeah um, I had him Oh
2: yeah, it was his birthday yesterday
0: Oh, it was? Yeah Happy birthday, Murph You should text him Happy birthday Yeah, yeah. And, uh I had him paint one side green with the PJ's yeah. logo and the other side, you know, with the Saints logo. It and looks I, good. And I have it on a turntable. So yeah, it's, actually. So it spins around.
2: <laughs> I was just in the bar and Chris just got back into town, one of our bartenders. And I was like, check out the new football helmet. And he was like, what the fuck? This is cool. And I was like, yeah, it moves around in a circle. And he realized that there's like six different settings. And so it kept like only spinning half of a circle uh-huh. and then bouncing back. I know. But we figured it out. It looks a,
0: good. It's a ga- it's a fun gadget. You should come by. But you know, um, the you know, the first game was so great here. It was it was potluck. It was like an old school potluck, mm-hmm. and it, you know it was a packed house, and and we won, and everybody was jolly, and yeah, uh, and we have a TV in the backyard. And it's and, and things are, we're we're full on saints.
2: We're full embracing the season.
0: Yeah. So if you don't know where to go. Or 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 here's here's the thing. So if you're at home and you're watching it, right, and and get to halftime, and you're like, man, we're doing good. I need to go somewhere and be with some people. Oh yeah. Bring your ass to the lounge. Yeah, we'll have food. Yeah, always food, complimentary.
2: Lots of TVs. Mm -hmm. More than I usually uh, encourage in a bar right now, but it is Saint season, so it's fine.
0: Yeah. Well, there's just two inside and one outside. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's not ape shit.
2: No, no, no. It's low key. Yeah. And yeah, good times. So come on
0: you can watch it outside too and it's going to get really nice soon. True. And the the uh that's we're going to be opening up the beer garden soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for October.
2: It was the wine bar and now it's the beer yeah. garden. Yeah,
0: i still trying to figure out what to do with our backyard, but I think the BJ's beer garden is the way to go. But okay. com- just come by and check it out.
2: If we if you do the BJ's beer garden, yeah. Can I get BJ's Logoed Lederhausen, is that what they're called? Lederhosens <laughs> yeah, like those like w- the the leather pants with oh, the overall uh, things.: y- Yeah, I want one.
0: Okay. Should we ma- everybody that works at, at the beer garden will have to wear that?
2: I just w- no, they're just mine. Okay. Nobody can use them when they're working. Those are mine. You can't wash leather. Scully. All, right. All right,
0: deal. Cool. deal. What other news is going on in uh, BJ's world? Just Saints, that's it. Ooh, I know something. Okay. That people could connect with. Listener, dear listener. Oh,
2: here we go. Is this about the boot? Yeah. I'm, not I'm the state or the beer?
0: I don't, yeah, not the boot. Not the, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't usually I like to toot my own horn, you know, I'm pretty humble guy.
2: I'm so fucking sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but those motherfuckers came and booted my car. Be- yeah because of school zone tickets
2: watch out y'all actually they're booting everybody
0: and this is the f- this is what the the thing about that is it was the hottest day of the year, right It was like it had broken records, right it was when it was in like the hundreds, and they're going around booting people's cars on the hottest when there's a heat advisory right like so so like the government is telling you right, don't walk anywhere, yeah, you know, like they're saying it's a heat advisory like don't walk anywhere, it's too hot. Yet then they, they boot your car, they and they're going around booting everybody's cars, So they have to walk.
2: Honestly, if you think about it, it's kind of an ingenious, villainous plan because you know that people are going to pay for it because they're so desperate to get in their air conditioned car that they're like, OK, I'll charge it. It's fine. Except for you. You didn't because you were watching The Sopranos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I've been watching The Sopranos <laughs> and so I'm out there. And I, like, wiggled it. And I was like, wait, this is kind of loose. And I realized that if I deflated my tire, mm. I could just take the boot right off. And so I did. I deflated the tire, jacked up the front, slipped the boot right off. And guess what I did with it? You know what I did with it.
2: Yeah, I have, I have proof.
0: Yeah, you have a video of it. Yeah. But I took it right back to them. And I went, and the guy, I went to the guy. He's like, where do you, you want these? I like, just put it over there. I was like, okay, dude. Plop. Bye. And then I got a new license plate.
2: Damn, you really went for the whole. thing. And then I got
0: a new a phantom cover for my license plate, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so the cameras can't see it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone, take notes. This is how you take off your boots. Boom. Easy. Just invest in a jack. Yeah. Or ask your neighbor.
0: Yeah, I mean they have to, to put it on loose enough though, because I went my a, a neighbor of BJ's, Chet. He their car got booted, oh. and I, will go, I went over there to try to do it, and it was on too tight, so I couldn't get it past the hub. Oh. So they they put this one on loose enough where I could get it off. I feel like you could
2: always just use an angle grinder. Yeah, but
0: you're not supposed to damage it or steal it. So that's why I returned it to them, and it's like, here you go. Uh-huh. I, didn't say, I was just going to say, well, look, dude, um, somebody put it on there wrong, and I took it off, and yeah. here it is, and I'm not paying the ticket because I think this shit's unconstitutional, so you have to come boot me again but here i it's not damaged it's not stolen but
2: you can't find me anyways cuz i have a new license plate
0: yeah hello bye <laughs> so you know just giving you all some tips there i know that uh yeah much maybe it will work everybody uh in new orleans you know no i'm sure has had this school zone bullshit mm. you know
2: yeah i also have had to change my license plate sell a car to get rid of all that
0: yeah man it's bullshit but you know fuck them it's a private company they can't they don't fuck with your credit no don't don't pay them fucking get a new license plate you can get a new license plate for 70 bucks yeah fuck that shit it's not like it's a safety thing like are there like every school zone there's kids running around in the fucking street (laughs) no you know (laughs) it's it's just bullshit and like half the school zones i'm like going through was like where's the fucking school well, and well, for I a while see, they were no doing
2: school. it even when school wasn't even in session.
0: Well, that's where you have to like catch them, and then you'd have to go to the fucking court and really yeah. prove it. And it's bullshit. Like, who has time to do that? It's just a, it's one of those things that um it's it's one of those negative consequences of a public and private partnerships where. Yes, yeah, Coley's m-
2: running for mayor, and his ad campaign is "Don't Break for Kids." <laughs>
0: <laughs> take off know.
2: your own boots Don't break
0: for You okay. can be my campaign manager But that's a great that, That's perfect That's it good m- It might take off I, I know, don't know I know Well Speaking of Kids Well no Well, Okay um, This person was a kid one time Okay I mean he mm-hmm. And he grew up in New Orleans Oh yeah, yeah 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 Okay And he was born
2: I never know where we're going yeah. I'm just like reading your face slowly <laughs> And I'm like yeah 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 Okay cue well, leading us into our guest Yeah one, two,
0: um, yeah. So um, he was a kid once, um, yeah. But uh, this person, very, uh, you know, he he doesn't get the credit he he deserves um, because he is behind Little Freddie King, mm-hmm. uh, who's th- incredible yeah. and we love. And L- Little Freddie is like the shit, mm-hmm. um, but so, which means often you don't get to pay attention to the drummer. Yeah, and Wacko Wade is is
2: also the shit.
0: He is also the fucking shit, <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he he's in his he's almost as old as Little Freddie. He's been playing music in New Orleans, um, yeah,
2: since he was in uh, the jazz band, right? Yeah, in his high school.
0: You're talking you long know, time. I don't know. Long seventy time. years ago. Yeah. Started playing music in New Orleans seventy years ago. He's Little Freddie's uh, manager, mm-hmm. um, his booking agent, yeah, his promoter. You know, he's he's been uh instrumental in pushing little freddie's career forward totally um and he you know and he's also been instrumental in um you know in keeping the lounge going you know with, with partnering up with us and you know making a you know little freddie king museum you know it's right. like this is where we honor little freddie so you know there's just a lot of things about wacko that I wanted to know um and we didn't even get into a lot of them like you know he's a, he was in Zulu. You know he's a yeah, white guy. Yeah, he was one of the first white Zulu. guys in Zulu. Yeah, right. Which is fucking killer. Yeah. Um. He uh. Uh. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't get to talk about how he uh, accidentally backed up Charles Manson. Oh band. yeah,
2: fuck! <laughs> I know. know. Right when we stopped the interview, all of us were like, "How did we not include that?" I know, but I know. But they were playing that night, so we had to go to the bar. Yeah. But yeah. He didn't know it though.
0: <laughs> no, he didn't know it.
2: And that Charles Manson was referred to as Satan. Then yeah. that was his music name. Yeah.
0: Of course, Wack, Wacko says this is a story that Sits Snow tells. So right. He, he, so you know, it's who's a,
2: also the one that was telling the stories about Elvis?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How Elvis used to come see him. So you know, this interview, um, is this is a it's a great interview. It gets into a lot of history of music. So if you're into like history of New Orleans music um definitely check this out because this is you know a lot of legit stuff he drops a lot of names like of like old so players much stuff. and i'm like i don't know who that is
1: <laughs> and
2: just a lot of interesting facts about how different times were then and um yeah just the 50s and 60s and 70s and playing in new orleans through all of that
0: yeah yeah and so so stick around for that our featured mus- musical guest um is JJ J. Adams. Yeah. um who played at the lounge a couple weeks ago. And man, uh this show fucking rocks, man. Um this is this band. <laughs> You're a fan? I mean, it is like it, these songs I I like listening to this now when I'm working out because oh, cool. okay. because it fucking rocks so hard. Sure. Um it's the first thing that we really have mixed with a multi-track system that we just um set up. Um and it it sounds kick ass you you'll hear. But uh, JJ Adams, we're gonna play a couple songs from them, uh, a clip, and then we'll play a full song at the end. Um, So listen to that. But uh, uh, so here is a little bit of JJ Adams, Mm -hmm. and after that, you got a little little uh, interview with the Great Wacko Wade. The Great Wacko Wade. All right, here he goes. check 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 all right you are uh uh here we are <laughs> <laughs> with You're obli- uh, rusty well a little rusty um but also a little excited and maybe even a little nervous because uh you know uh I, we have a very special guest um as stated before we are here with Wacko Wade mm-hmm. the drummer for Little Freddie King uh,
2: songwriter manager publisher legend
3: you got it all <laughs>
2: <laughs> did i forget anything
3: <laughs> one call you got it all
0: <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> yeah man um I, I but just before we get started you know i i've always wanted to uh interview you um you know or or I, i've always wanted to see you on the cover of something because you know you know we i we love little freddie of course we got a mural of him on the side of course of the building. yes but uh the more that I've talked to you and the more I've got to know you I, I've just you know there's there you have your own story you know like you you are a legit musician manager um you you've lived a, a pretty uh, I- interesting life and so that's why I wanted to talk to you and I'm very happy that you're here man
3: Well I'm here brother and uh I got a lot to tell you if you ask me yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well I mean for one You know, this podcast is about New Orleans, you know, and it's about this neighborhood. It's about BJ's, but it's about history. And we are particularly interested in what New Orleans, you know, what it used to be like here. And like, Mm -hmm. since we are a music venue Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of good, you know, roots music, you've been playing this music since you were a kid, like since the 1950s, right?
3: I started like in uh, 1959. 1960, you know, that's when I really got kicking. Yeah, But uh, I used to play in uh, these garage bands around the city. Uh-huh. But that's one thing I'm proud of, uh, New Orleans, you know. This is my town, you know, concrete under my feet. I wouldn't move anywhere else. I've been around the world, you know, I've been 15 countries or whatever. But I always ready to come home, you know. But uh, yeah, I started, I was, uh, I think I was around 18 years old. Well, you, you, didn't you grow up? You, I think you said you grew up in the projects or something, right? Or, or well, that's where the first band started. Okay. And the St. Thomas Project. Right. And uh, I started with the Night Owls. Uh, the Night Owls with Jimmy Hutchison, Glenn May, and Sidney Snow. Sid Snow. Sid Snow, still playing bass, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had a laugh when I saw his son was up on the stage and I said, really, you, you Sidney's son? <laughs> yeah, he's and he's your he's your <laughs> bass player, wacko. <laughs> yeah, and I, I brought him in a band and I said, come on, man, let's see what you got, see your chops. But uh, Sidney was in the Night Owls and uh, Monty Carrington was the lead singer. And we were just a bunch of teenagers playing the dancers. Yeah. Sacred Heart, Redemptus Dance. St. Anthony Dance, they, they had like 10 major bands around that time, you know? <coughs> they had the Jokers, the Counts, the Spades, the Sparks, Yeah. and they kept going on. So it was really competitive. Yeah, and sure. But but they were, they were really back in the time, in 1960, uh, 61 in there, they were white boy bands, you mm-hmm. know? The brothers weren't in the band, because right. Civil Rights came in in 1963 <coughs> and New Orleans was buying a curve of course we always like 5 years late in anything we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was looking into that oh about yeah. the
2: segregated bars and everything and then uh i saw that it took until like 1992 for uh the city to make it illegal to have segregated Mardi Gras
3: crews oh, and that was until like I didn't the know. 90s really yeah i um, mean
2: the the segregation in bars obviously was
3: yeah um well, the street, Bourbon Street, you know, was all segregated, and all that switched about, and it was slow, 67, 68. Uh, the street, Bourbon Street, really turned, um, you know, multicultural uh, with the meters coming in.
2: Oh, sure, yeah. The
3: meters came in and played a diving hole ball in the corner Yeah, mm-hmm. a Bourbon, and I can't think the crossing street. But uh, Mixed everything up. They they first they started there.
0: So they they were they the the Ivanhoe bar or whatever was yes, yeah, called the Ivanhoe. They said, you know what, these guys are too good. Like, yeah. like oh. I know they're not white, but goddamn, they yeah. are so good. Why don't we have yeah. them here? Oh, yeah, basically they were so good. They just yeah. they, were, they had to look past it. But you know, raised.
3: it it was very friendly time. You know, when I played in those those bands, because we used to play these dances. And Cosmo Matassi had his little studio and he would find these artists, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, you know, uh, Lloyd Price, you know, uh, Ernie Cato, all those cats. And he would record them. And uh, like Oliver Morgan, who shot the Lala. And he would record them and give them 45s. Mm-hmm. He'd give them a stack of 45s to, right. go, to go out and sell and so th- they used to call like the bands, you know, like my band the Night Hours, or the the Jokers. Yeah. You know, can we come play Germania Hall? You know. And so they love you know, we loved to have those guys because they had a W T I X was playing their song on the radio, so we brought them in as a guest star. Damn. And they would sell their little forty five, you know, for like three dollars or something. FM. Yeah. W T I X. I love there. that station. Yeah, that was a major station back then. Uh, the heavyweight then was uh, Jim Stewart. Jim Stewart was the head DJ there, uh-huh. okay, and uh, he promoted rock and roll and New Orleans music.
0: And this is fifty early, f- late fifties and
3: sixties. And this is uh, the uh, early sixties. Yeah, okay. I went on. I went on, um, I went on a, one of Jim uh, Jim's tours on the uh, Gulf Coast with uh, Frankie Ford. Frankie Ford first made sea C- cruise, and. Uh, uh, he was promoting him, and so we put a band together, and we traveled all up and down.
0: That was like a number one hit, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was,
3: uh, they had a place, Gus Stevens, over there by Biloxi, it was a big nightclub, you know. And in fact, Jane Mainfield was playing at the club, uh, Club Stevens, you know. Mm. And uh, when she left the club, she was driving back to New Orleans, and that's when she had that accident and lost her life, you know. Wow on the old Chef Tour highway, wow, that old highway used to fog up at night anytime the the nighttime come off of the lake came the fog and it yeah. they, closed that highway night well, that's
0: before there was fucking seat belts and shit too, I and mean oh yeah, everybody's seatbelt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but anyway, you know that's that's when uh, I started with those type of bands, and uh I moved on to r and b bigger bands with horn sections and b three organs. And then I finally, Ricky Castrillo was playing at Dixie's uh, with his band over there, Ricky Castrillo. And uh, something happened, he left that band and Paul Verisco took over and the Milestones, Paul Verisco and the Milestones, they took over playing. And then uh, Ricky called me up and he said, I need a drummer. So we put another band together called the uh, Dead End Kids <laughs> yeah. And then good. the Dead End Kids. So we knew uh, we knew Al boletta, famous jazz saxophone player. Right. He played alto sax. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Al boletta was booking. He was a booking agent at the Playboy Club. Right. Okay. You know, and we used to run into Al on Bourbon Street at different clubs. You know, and uh, Al says, "Y'all want to play downstairs in the lounge?" And I said, "Sure, man." So we signed the contract for a year. Playing in the lounge, and Al Balletta's group played upstairs. They had a, a beautiful jazz quartet. You know, uh, Walter Payton and or, well, Walter Payne, I think, played bass. And mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were off the charts. You know.
2: So was that the standard thing? Uh, often was to have house bands like that. Like you would come and you play every yeah, week. Yeah, we,
3: we played. Yeah, we played. Uh, I think we only got one day off. It might have been Monday. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, <laughs> yeah, damn. We, we played. It was a full time job. Yeah, we played. Oh yeah, it was a contract job. Yeah, it was really good money, and we played till they closed up. And then mm-hmm. the big thing wi- with the club was that we used to leave the club with you know two in the morning, right? And we'd walk around the corner on Bourbon Street because the club was located on Iberville across right. the street from Felix's Oyster Ball. right? Okay, and uh, we'd we'd walk around the club, and all the musicians knew we had a gathering spot where we used to she go, okay, and we used to go to Papa Joe's, which All was right. down the street. And Papa Joe's jam session started at three in the morning. Ooh. It went from three to eight.
2: So that was just pretty much for the players to hang out and it was play music. It was a
3: big players hangout, and yeah. it was a big like jam session sit in. If I'd walk in, the, the, you know, little Joe Lamb would say, yeah, you wanna play a couple of right. songs? And you know, you had people like, uh, you know, Rolling Stone and uh, Rod Bernard, this should go on forever. Sure. You know, Freddie Fender had just made "Holy One," "Holy One." Yeah. You'll yes. never know how much I love you so. So Freddie, <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, s- Freddie asked me to play in his little band, and uh it was funny because they only had one s- Mexican club. Okay. Ar- in that area, and it was Casa La Marina yeah. on Decatur Street. It was a corner bar, and that's where all the uh, Spanish people hung out. <coughs> and Freddie Fender used to play there. And I used to play with him, and he had a bass player that was Spanish. Okay. I was the only guy that didn't speak Spanish, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when the fight started, I got behind my drums, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Take cover. <laughs> Is that why you started <laughs> Take start cover behind drum. the bass drum. <laughs> playing drums so you could <laughs> hide behind them when, when yeah. the fight started. But uh, Papa Joe's was the big hangout for the musicians and all, oh. you know. And that's where... And then you'd meet up with other guys and say, "I like you to play on my record," or "I wrote this song." You collaborate with different people.
2: Sure, I mean it's kind of a good spot to be hanging out, so everybody can hear each other play. And then
0: yeah, it is interesting, like to think I'm fascinated by that. So, like, because we know what Bourbon Street is now. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are working musicians that play on Bourbon Street for tourists, but it sounds like back then it was more uh, more local bands and more. Locals would go to Bourbon Street to catch the music, and like that's where the scene was happening, was on Bourbon Street. That's where the new that stuff that was going
3: on. That's it. That's where the tourists were. It was, you know, and back then, you used, they used to dress up. You know, men used to wear coats, uh-huh. and the girls used to wear dresses and stuff, you yeah. know. And
0: if you're on the bandstand, you definitely dressed <coughs> and up, right?
3: Yeah, no, no doubt. Back then, you wore Nero suit, you know, because you thought you were some hippie or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, uh, yeah, my boy uh, Jimmy Buffett, God rest his soul. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Buffett played at the Bayou Room <coughs> and I used to walk around the corner and I go listen, I'd go inside and stand by the wall and he played the goofiest kind of music I ever <laughs> heard because <laughs> I was from New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard that stuff, dude. Yeah. yeah. It, but it, they called it Annie. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was called Hootenanny. Uh, yeah, so like it a country It country. was like Americano, Yeah, yeah. Americano uh-huh. Hootenanny uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And but see this city pounds on R and B, B three organ, horn uh-huh. section, da, 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 da. yeah. And here he is strumming a little, you know, twelve uh-huh. string guitar, yeah, singing about stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Jimmy Rest Buffett. Peace. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett, great dude, man. Yeah. So great, you you great hung out dude. with him a little bit or what? Man, no, I never did hang out with yeah. him. But I walked in and he knew I was a musician because I still had my you know my suit yeah. on and, and you know. He'd kind of wave and I'd wave my drumsticks at him then I walk down the street and play at Papa Joe's you know so and
0: yeah you said, said you you uh, in your bio I was reading there was that one story that sounded really kind of scary actually was when you were invited to play in the segregated club. And you you were the only white kid, or the uh, you're and you're like unloading your uh, I forget who it was yeah. H- Huey Piano Smith or something.
3: Yeah, yeah, I run I run it down for you. Yeah, run it uh, down. The for um, <coughs> <laughs> my mother worked at WBOK, okay, which was a black radio station in New Orleans. Okay, and uh, she was like a, a manager or something, but anyway, she worked the Okie Dokie show. They had a big DJ back then called Okie Dokie. They had mm-hmm. yeah, that D voice. And I got a phone call. I was at the house, and uh, I got a phone call from my mother. She says, you got your drums in the car? I said, yeah. They're there from last night. She says, look, they need a drummer, you know, at the King's Club mm-hmm. on Rampart Street. <clears throat> and I said, Rampart Street? Dude, you know, I don't go down there except to buy my shoes and buy some broken cymbals from the pawn shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, they need to go over there right now because they need a drummer. Okie dokie told me. You know, you got you got the gig. Right. So I get in my '55 Pontiac and I drive over there. I got all the drums in the back, and I pull up to the club and I said, "Oh Lord, look where I'm at, dude! And you know, this is during the times." Yeah, yeah. So I got a bunch of brothers on the sidewalk and I get out. I said, uh, "Is Huey playing here tonight?" He said, "Yeah, he was here, man. He's with his band and all." I said, "Why you you here?" I said, "I'm here for drumming." Oh, cool, man. You want us to carry some of your shit in? <laughs> I said, uh, I. Th- let me check out first and go inside and, and meet Huey, okay? Yeah. So I went inside, made sure I had the gig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good call. Because, you, you know, I'm and a Caucasian. Uh-huh. And, he, and he looked at me, oh, come on, man. Get your shit in there, man. I need a drummer. Yeah. I so, got you. Yeah. So uh, I loaded the stuff in one by one. Yeah. I'd open my trunk, take the cymbals, then, the, you know, one by one, yeah. I went in, yeah. set up my kit, played that night. Uh, they had uh Huey piano was playing. Bobby Morshan, Carol Fane, and uh, I don't think Escarita was there at the time. Mm-hmm. But Escarita was a big you know, drag queen, black you know, entertainer. She, right. was, she was really popular. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Escarita. But anyway, I played the gig, and I, I think it was a three hour freaking gig. But uh, at the end of the night, I was finished playing, and he returned turned him. He said, Man, you did a hell of a job doing it. I think he just made uh, "Rockin' Ammonia." Oh yeah, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite songs ever, man. I bought a cowbell for my drums prior to that. Yeah. You know, when he first got the song out, and I heard that cowbell, I had to go down to Tippett's and buy a cowbell. Yeah. Because I went home and put the 45 on. I used to do that, you know, do that click on the cowbell. And lo and behold, I'm playing with the guy that made the record. You know. Man, yeah, Rockin' ammonia. That was like a number one hit too. Oh yeah. I mean, that's God. That song.
0: Uh, it's like, uh, what? Who's the guy that did it? That also got a number one hit. Uh, I forget. But you know, it was remade. Yeah, racking them all. Yeah, yeah, it was remade by some dudes. But man, that that song. I was I was driving around the other day, and that song came on. Yeah. And I st- I, I seriously started crying to that song. <laughs> like what the hell? I was like, it was so good. I was like, I had it cranked up, and it was like I was moved. Yeah by how good that shit was. I love that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm crying now. I like, what the <laughs> hell? To,
3: to rockin' pneumonia. pneumonia. <laughs> but he, he had a big show and it was packed, and I believe it's called The King's Room, but it was on Rampart Street. So at the end of the night, I had to pack up my stuff and, and all the brothers came on the side and they said, man, you play a good set of drums, bro, we'll help you carry this shit to the car. And I said, all right, dude. So they all grabbed the piece. You know, and we That's walked cool, out man. to the car, put it in the car. And uh, they thanked me for coming. Yeah, did you, you play with not them ever again? Now, now the deal was, you know, I wasn't supposed to be in that club. That's what I was right. going to say, yeah. I wasn't supposed to. But if, if the cops came, I was going to jail. God, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a white dude in a black club didn't go, you know? Right.
2: <laughs> were most of the clubs, uh, like on Bourbon Street and the French Quarter, were most of those white-only clubs at that time? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. They had a hot spot on Canal Street across from the Jung Hotel, and I think it was called the Monkey Ball. Okay. That's where Mac Rabinac started. Sure. At the Monkey Ball. Yeah. And Papoose, the guitar player. But they played on that corner bar. They're pretty regular. <coughs> and uh, behind there, they had a club called the uh, Peppermint Twist Club.
2: Okay. That's a good name.
3: Up-do-ba, up-dee-ba-ba-do-ba, dee mm. alright right, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the Peppermint Twist Club was the Then across the street, they had Willie Pep. Willie Pep had a ballroom across the street, so there's kind of a little music circle in there. Yeah, Willie Pep was the uh, world champion boxing champion. Whoa, yeah, light lightweight champion of the world, and he opened a ball across from the Jungle Hotel. And was he from here? But Canal Street was popping back then. Yeah, it was popping. You dressed up to go to Canal Street.
0: Sure. So, when you're playing around with these guys, so this is an—I mean—it's got to be so exciting to be in a music scene where you're seeing these guys you know that you're playing with get hits like num- like national international hits like yeah, yeah. the the music scene in New Orleans at that time like you're you're just playing around i mean can you imagine like like if we're at BJ's right and we're yeah. like all these bands that we that play around the neighborhood you know and the, and it's like yeah national l- hits like just like like every few every year you get these these you see these guys that, and then they're on TV and mm-hmm. you're like i was just playing with that guy yeah I mean, we, we see some of that, you know, with like bands that have been playing around the neighborhood for a while getting popular. For sure. But not like number one hit fucking popular. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I mean, that must have been just so exciting t- to be out there in that music scene playing with all these people. And all the, one, one day they're like mm-hmm. an average, you know, musician. And then like the next day, all of a sudden they got a fucking number one hit.
3: And, you know, going on TV. Well, I guess,
2: did it change much? I mean, it feels like, were they still gigging around town even after these songs got uh, picked up?
3: Music back in the early 60s or or 50s, it was uh, regional music. It was regional. Oh, yeah. And you see, Philadelphia had their thing, okay? California had their stuff. Yeah. But New Orleans was very unique to R&B, rhythm and blues. Yeah. And it only went as far as uh, Memphis, maybe. Sure. You know? and Texas had their Texas Mm -hmm. country and western. So music back then had its quadrants, you know. So their 45s traveled around the region because like WBOK and maybe Memphis played their stuff. But the ones that really popped out of New Orleans were like Fast Domino and uh, Lloyd Price. Mm -hmm. Lloyd Price killed them, see. You know, he he lived in Kenna, and he moved out and went up uh, to New York. And he became big up there, Lloyd Price. Wow! But uh, it was more regional, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard to get a hit like a into L.A. or something.
2: Totally. Yeah. When well, people are like, yeah. you would still play around town. Like you'd still see these people even yeah. when they're yeah rocking pneumonia got big. You know. Yeah,
3: and th- they had a lot of bands back then too. Yeah. <coughs> you know, fighting for the jobs. Not many clubs, you know. But I remember the pay wasn't nothing back then. I used to play across the river and uh, 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 Roland played over there, Mac Rabinack played over there. It's called Cass's Lounge, okay. C-A-S-S Lounge, and it was over the bridge, after they first built the bridge uh, by Wright Boulevard, and they had a canal there, and the white Shell parking lot and Lidenau. and the guy used to have uh, crabs Free boiled crabs on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! <laughs> and, and we used to play on Friday night. Yeah, that but was the th- gig that you th- wanted. The night hours. Yeah, we we played there on Friday night and we made five dollars. Okay. And all the crabs we could eat.
0: You made five dollars each or five dollars for the whole?
3: Yeah. No, five dollars a man. Okay. Yeah. All the crabs you can eat. We played three yeah. hours. We we played because <coughs> we were just happy to play and right. people were watching us. Right. Yeah. And they enjoyed some of the stuff we did. You know. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I mean, it,
0: how how much different do you think it is now in terms of of pay for bands? Like how much a band gets paid now versus back <laughs> then? Was it, is it is it more now or is it less? Or what what is it? Well,
3: it's all relative to yeah, 2023. Yeah. though, you know. Yeah. Well, I, know. I mean, y- you always want more money, but the club owners want more than you want. Yeah, well <laughs> I mean that doesn't yeah. change. That doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Change. <laughs> they got all the bills to pay and stuff like that. Except at BJ's where
0: we, <coughs> you know, we are very generous <laughs> to <laughs> the true. musicians. Yeah. Uh, that's true. But uh BJ's
3: is generous and uh DBA's generous. Yeah, that's, that, a, that's, that's our a man over there, Tom is the best. Yeah, um, well I like T- Tom's a big fan and Freddie from way back. Yeah. We started years ago playing, you know. <clears throat> but Tom's good.
0: Well, i like to be in the same sense. Scully's, Scully's, yeah. Scully's good. Scully's good. Right. Right. Scully's all right. Scully, all right. You're
2: doing good. You're doing Scully's good. We're proud good. of you.
3: We're trying to help you make it, Scully. Well, yeah. well, uh, you know,
0: that brings us to to Little Freddie King, um, which is like so uh I mean, Little Freddie King, you in, you know, you call it country blues. Like, when did you run into him? When did you first see him? And be like, this guy, I like this guy, I like what he's
3: doing. Yeah, this Uh, was the early 90s, right? Yeah, 93. Okay. (coughs) I ran into Freddie in 93 at a a mechanic shop where he worked. Right, tell us about that. He was a mechanic. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Put generators and alternators and food with cars at a car shop. And uh, I went to get my car fixed. I had a a VW 71 Bu- Volkswagen uh-huh. cool. that I used to ride around all the time, put my drums in. My whole what set happened to the Pontiac? My whole set of drums fit in there, dude. What? Yeah, <laughs> and that VW, the whole set. <laughs> wow. Bass drum on the front seat. <laughs> 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 all the stuff in the back seat. But uh, that's where I first met Freddie, and uh, he was uh, working a bench, and he was all dirty, full of grease. And I went up to the and he told me hello and I said, "Where, Freddie, what's going on, man? He says, look, he said, I know you play drums with this band, this big horn band. I said, yeah, I play with them once in a while. He said, look, uh, I need a band uh, to back me up. And I looked at him and said, who needs a band, you? He said, yeah, I need a band. I said, what the hell you play? He says, <laughs> he says I play guitar. I said, no shit, I didn't know that. He says, uh, yeah, I'm playing a Jazz Fest uh, in two weeks. I said, the Jazz Fest, the New Orleans Jazz Fest? <laughs> he says, yeah, I've been playing out there since 1970. I said, holy Moses, dude, that's when it started. He said, yeah, I first started out there with Percy Randolph and me. Percy blew Harmonica and I right. played guitar and we played at the little gazebo stage. So we really started in Congo Square. We used to play five stages all day and we'd alternate stages. Then would move from stage to stage doing right. the whole day. yeah. But anyway, he said, yeah, I'm playing out there, I need a band. I said, dude, uh, look, you think you could bring your guitar in tomorrow? You know, let me hear what you do, because I don't know if I can follow you, you know? I'm used to these guys with horns and B3 organs blasting mm-hmm. my head off. <laughs> so the next day, he comes down the street with his guitar on his back, riding his bicycle. Broom, comes to the shop and I was there.
0: Still and on that bike, huh?
3: Yep, <laughs> and uh, he came in and plugged into the amplifier they had amplified at the, at the place, and he started playing, and I said, holy Moses. I said, dude, you got a drummer. He says, you know, you think you can find me, some other people? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll get you some people. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where I first met him. And uh, to listen to him play at that time in s- in 93, Yeah. you know, he was on top of his game, man, because he was a young guy mm-hmm. back then, you know. Yeah, and w- why do you call it country blues?
0: What, what's the what's country blues? No, it's,
3: no, it's it? gut bucket. Gut bucket. It's gut bucket. It's the lowest denominator you can go in the blues. Meaning <laughs> it it yeah. does
0: change key and stuff a lot, and it's it's. You know, well, it's
3: just slowed down, you know. It's rhythm,
0: more rhythmic. Yeah, like it's, it's not fancy, is what you're saying. It's yeah, like it's it's,
3: it's, tr- it's basic, yeah. very basic, straight ahead. You know, um, with Freddie, it, it has a lot of quirks in it because Freddie's self-taught. Yeah, you know, you said on. Uh, he set a 45 record player up and put it on slow speed and taught himself to hit notes on different songs. Yeah. yeah, And that's how he started. And when he had his first band, he never sang. He did not sing. He, okay. h- he always had singers. Uh, and he used to play the black clubs around Washington Avenue and uptown, all those black areas up mm-hmm. there. He'd play, but he always had a singer. <coughs> and then the singers would always not show up or get loaded or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he got <laughs> aggravated and tired of that. So he came with time, the singing didn't come, and the owner of the place said, well, when the hell are you gonna start playing? So he started singing. You well, do what you gotta do. He's, he's, uh, uh, His voice is, I mean, it's he like- sang Jimi- No,
0: it's fucking awesome.
3: It's an iconic blues voice. He said, he sang, uh, Jimmy Reed got you running. Got me high and uh, got me peeper. He said he did it about 10 times, but they didn't know it. I hope he- <laughs> <laughs> Well, now you, you you guys are gonna do it tonight, right? He said so they didn't know it. <laughs> He said, that's the only one I knew just the, w- the, the worries <laughs> to, man. Oh, my God.
2: Everybody was just dancing. They didn't even you think know, twice about
0: it. You all should try and do that tonight. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we Just loop it. that song that over and see no cool. anybody. I I love that song. Yeah, every we time could do that. Do it. But
3: yep. Freddie used to play, uh, Freddie used to drink heavy when he was young. You know, right. In his 30s and all. Right. And uh, he was always fired up with that liquor. And he used to buy that white lightning on Claymore from a friend of his. He used to go to Mississippi, get it, come down, Ooh. and sell it through his uh, shop on Claiborne. You know. uh-huh. But Freddie used to like that and always get lit up. You know, So you know, he played at the Stereo Club one night. He told me the story. And uh, the band didn't show up and uh, he was loaded. He walked in and the guy was really mad because the band didn't come. You know. He said, yeah. where the hell's your band at, Freddie? Where the hell's your band at? He said, you ain't playing here no more. You're never playing here again. I'm gonna pass the word to all the clubs. Oh man, don't do that, don't do that, man. I I ain't loaded or (laughs) nothing. Well, I'll play for you right now. So Freddie sat on a chair and he took his guitar out and he put the guitar on the floor and he took his shoes off and his socks off and he started playing the guitar and singing. He played the guitar with his feet (laughs) and he sang (laughs) in the mic. And they all started clapping. And the guy says, "All right, Freddie, I'll let you back in the club." Oh
2: my God! <laughs> Ooh,
0: that white liner make you yeah, good. You think
2: shit. he hit any notes?
3: <laughs> I don't know. What he was hit with automatic. them toes, man. I hope he had long toes.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're requesting no shoes <laughs> for tonight's show. <laughs>
0: Well, we're gonna. Whenever we talk to him at some point, we get some of those stories because he's told me some of that stuff before, man. Mm, when he was, uh, you know, he quit drinking I think for a reason
3: because he was a bit of a wild man. Sure. Yeah, he he got a. Uh, let's see, got a liver problem. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah. the ketchup. Yeah, so. yeah his, lib, his liver hardened up, and he told him if he had another drink, it would, uh, it would put him down for good, you know. So he stopped drinking. Well, that'll, yeah. do, it. that'll yeah. do it. Smart man. Yeah.
2: Well, so uh, I guess the connection to BJ's is um, when did y'all start playing here? I when did con- y'all start d- hanging out here?
3: We started playing here. The connection was Bobby. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, Bobby I'm Lewis. I met Bobby. wasn't in the original Freddie band that I put together, and uh, I had Quinn blowing harp and playing guitar. But anyway, uh, we played a gig on a Creole Queen with a bunch of bands. Uh, um, popular at that time. One of them was Rolling Stone and uh Rolling LeBlanc. And uh, we played it on Queo Queen and Bobby Freddie the guy that recorded Freddie on Swamp Boogie for all these records had Bobby come play. Oh, cool. In the band. Okay. Play harp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when I first heard Bobby play. Sure. And uh you know, it stuck in my head and it had a good chemistry to it. And I like Bobby's style because he's basically, he's a melody guy. He's right. all, he takes the place of the saxophones and stuff. And he yeah. play And Bobby plays a lot of fill, a lot of fill so mm-hmm. that the band's yeah. coherent. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, we finally brought Bobby into the band. So then that resulted in, uh, so, you know, Bobby said, well, I'm 10 Bar. I said, okay, that's good. You can make the gigs and all. He said, yeah, i 10 Bar up in uh, Bob Ward at BJ's right. and all. So I came up here to see Bobby just to talk to him about different stuff and yeah, gigs we had out, and all, yeah. you know. And at the time, Carlo and Dewan on the bar. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting at the bar one day, and Bobby's behind the bar, and Carlos was sitting on the end of the bar playing his racing forms, looking at the horses he wanted <laughs> to pick. <laughs> and and so uh, I said, Carlo, what do you think about us playing here? He said, Well, man, uh, that's kind of dicey, but, you know, y'all could practice here. Going to practice here? Sure. Yeah, we'll practice. Can we do it like once a month? You come in here and work on some songs with Freddie and all. And then uh, Carla said, you know, I wouldn't mind if you just put a tip jaw out if somebody went to throw a dial in the jaw and all. But, you know, I can't throw any money away and all because, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the situation. So we started coming here and playing on a Friday once a month. Oh, shit, and okay, we call cool. it we call it practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you, but it was a Friday night. It's practice. Night. Yeah, it's okay, practice. Yeah. And we put the bucket on <laughs> and we do staples on the telephone poles. Okay. We, we had BJs. I mean, you promoted it. We had BJs. Yeah. Okay. We practiced it. <laughs> that
0: was yeah. That was basically uh, Carlos's way of not having to pay them. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we
3: uh, we practice in that BJ signs all over Bywater. But uh, that's how we got started. So we've been here a good while. We've been through, you know, Teal had the place right. a while, and then passing on to Scully.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool. I love mm. that.
3: Yeah. I'm.
0: Uh, I, I. don't. I think, you know, little Freddie playing at BJs established it as a place where music happens. You know that that he
3: they started that. You know. Yeah, there wasn't music. B- BJs before. BJs is world known. It is. Okay, I'm telling you, it's world known. Oh yeah. Because when we go, you know, like I said, we've been to 15 countries, and we did TV shows, yeah, interviews. We did tons of magazine articles back in the day. Yeah. You know, and every time we start off with our home base is BJ's right. Lounge. That's where we practice. Burgundy. You yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where we practice. We're, we never put that <laughs> in there. But, but all the articles started off with, you know. Yeah. Where where can they find you, New Orleans? B.J.'s is loud.
2: That's awesome. It's n- it's yeah. nice to know that it's like in the history books <coughs> in some it's sense. It's all
3: yeah. over.
0: Yeah,
2: it's
3: all over. It is. I'm
0: always looking. At, um, um, they just keep writing about Little Freddie. Man, I mean, it's it, he's his career. You know, it just seems like, you know, boy, it's th- in the past. What ten years? There's been there was a time when Little Freddie had a bike accident and he right. was out for a little bit. Ooh, that was rough. We it, it was it seemed like I don't know, we just without having little Freddie here, it was weird. And then there and then there was the time that you were out for about a year Because you was sick. Yeah. And they had different drummers playing with little Freddie and you know, nothing against these other drummers. Yeah, it just wasn't the same. It just was not the same, man. Right. Like you guys are are like so connected rhythmically, um, that I, n- I that's when I realized how good of a drummer Wade was. Mm-hmm. When I was like There was all these drummers filling in with with Little Freddie, and I'm like, "Nah, that's not how I remember." Like, what's going on here? And then when you came back, I'm like, "Yes, (laughs) yes," and you know, listening to you play, you know,
3: uh, the the train was moving now. Yes, yeah. I mean, the heartbeat. It is
0: the heartbeat, and it's the the complexity of listening. If you, you know it doesn't sound as complicated as or, or as difficult as it is when right. you listen to it because it is that gut bucket stuff
3: yes yeah, gut bucket blues but too.
0: man when you're riding that that you're that ride cymbal th- that with the beat and all that and and you know i'm and other drummers i'm you know that hang out and come to the show they're like god damn listen to that you know like when you come here sure. listen to the Freddie, like listen to yep. Freddie, but but take some time and listen to the drums, too. It's a vibe. Because yeah. it, it is some serious shit. Yeah. And uh, and you guys together. I what mean. You trying,
3: man, what you trying to do? Swell my head up, dude? Well, <laughs> man, I don't want to do that <laughs> too, oh, much, I don't wanna do that <laughs> too much I don't want to do that too much. Are you trying p- to
1: steal
2: him or something? I, I'm
3: just <laughs> playing a hard driving beat for him to catch, you know? Yeah. Because Freddie changes meters and he, he jumps timing and he does crazy stuff especially when he takes a rod, you know, he's never coming back in, Yeah, you know. So, you know, I, I finally, it took years to discipline him to to the bass drum, you know. Uh-huh. I said, man, whatever you do, you hear my bass drum beat, you, you drop your note right on my beat, and you're back in the flow. Yeah. And I don't care what he's doing, I'm still playing that four time, and yeah, he's, yeah. oh, whoa, oh, oh. then yeah. boom, he comes right <laughs> yeah, back Yeah, I said, so, all right, dude. But it took a little while to do that. Yeah. yeah on the first, each the other. first couple of gigs with him, and he'd, you know, he'd jump time and then reverse it. I almost. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell happened there? <laughs> Keep you on your toes, What constantly. the hell happened there? Yeah. Oh well, that's God.
0: why Little Freddie King is so fun, is because he <laughs> does <laughs> stuff, you know, like that, you know, it's not like that just simple, straight, you know. Uh, twelve-bar blues. It's there's there's some things happening there, and that's why it takes a bass player, you know, like Robert Snow now <laughs> who plays bass. Mm-hmm. It took him a little while to, to yeah. latch on to what yeah. Freddie's doing because sure. his changes don't happen at the you know in the same twelve-bar format that, yeah. that that most blues does.
2: Well, that's probably why y'all still have fun playing with each other after yeah. all these years because everybody's keeping <laughs> each other on their toes. Yeah. Or Freddie is rather.
1: G-
3: uh, getting back to BJ's. Uh, Legacy out there. Yeah, you'd be surprised at the people that come into this place. You know that eventually called me up because they went to BJs and heard cool. us. You'd be surprised. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, out of New York, a TV crew was doing the food show and they brought the yeah. camera over here to catch Freddie. Oh shit! I mean, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. You know, Condé the magazine for the rich people on mm. boats and all. They came here and did a photo shoot. I mean, you'd be surprised at yeah. the people. No, BJ, let's go see Freddie. And they come here, and um, the other one was, um, well, I was thinking of the show Austin, Texas. What is that, Austin City Limits? Yeah, uh, we yeah. had a cat come in here. I tried to get on Austin City Limits with Freddie, you know, yeah, but it never worked out though. Well, Aust- Austin's a weird town, you know, we play Anton's, yeah, we played there about three mm-hmm. times in Austin, and uh. Now nah, we kind of cut back on the traveling now, cause Freddie's age, yeah. age, you know, my age, and I'm not up to planes and all that stuff.
0: Well, that just means more for BJ's, man. Yeah. You know, that's it. We're that's happy it. to have you. Yeah, it. we had we had be- we had little Freddie and Wade uh, two times a month over the summer, mm-hmm. uh, which has been kick-ass. September we had same t- thing. Yeah, and tonight and then in two weeks we got yeah the, the end of the this uh, the summer of of little Freddie over here.
2: You have two chances in one month. Don't fuck up.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's talking to the listener. I'm talking to to the (laughs) listener, not Wade. (laughs) If if (laughs) you're listening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, shit, Wade. All right, I enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Uh, That was good stuff. Uh, We love you. I'm looking forward to the show tonight.
2: Yeah, I was sleepy before this, but now I'm ready to bartend.
0: Yeah. There you uh, go.
3: And <laughs> now and now you got to help me go clean up the the office. Yeah, we got to go get that ready for the king, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the king's room in got there. Got to get the king room going. <laughs> yeah. All right, well let's go do that. All right, hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank All you right, so much. Michael. This has been amazing. Take care, man. Good.
0: That was a good interview, huh?
2: Yeah. Um I enjoyed every second of it, and I have so many questions.
0: Yeah, what kind of questions?
2: More so not even for Wacko, more so just for us that we need to look into Mm -hmm. about all of these bars that, I guess they're venues too, I mean, at least back then, that don't exist anymore. Yeah. And I want us to look them up and use the library database or something, or your Gambit Connects. To find some information on all these spots.
0: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I think we definitely need to do some. And, and if anybody listening is, you know, like a history person or a research person, um, we're really wanting to dig deeper into the history, uh, most specifically of, you know, forty three hundred one Burgundy. Yeah. You know, BJs, and really dig into the history of of the, this corner um, or this block, um, but also, you know. Listening to Wade, just I think you, there's like many lifetimes worth of historical research that you could do on bars in this city.
2: Yeah, i I mean, of course. And
0: you know, like that Mary's Mary's Tavern. Mary's
2: Tavern. Yeah, I wrote down a bunch of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just feel like I want to know when they closed, why they closed, like what they looked like. I just want to know everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like, cause Elvis coming in there, um, and yeah, you know, all all the you, know, it's it's really really fascinating listening to what the music scene was like back then, you know, um, you know, in comparison to what it's like now, you know. Of course, back then, it, it's it was all like R and B stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, except for Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love throwing a wrench in it. I love that. He's like, what is this shit? But he liked it. He's like, this is weird, but I like it. It's undeniably Um, good. But, you know, I find it really interesting how music scenes and where like these pockets of where the music is happening changes throughout history, Mm -hmm. you know, because I kind of feel like, you know, our little pocket here is kind of, you know, on the upswing. Sure. Right. Uh, Like there's a lot of good stuff happening here. Um, but, you know, as time goes by, it go, it moves to other places. You know, it's like, you know, when when Bourbon Street was like where all the, the edgy, good shit was, you know. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that's where they all hung out. And then, you know, that has just has become more of a tourist place. Right. And so then, you know, it, go, it moves to Frenchman Street. And then yeah, that becomes kind of touristy. And then it moves down here. Well, it's
2: interesting, too, because even when Wacko was talking about Bourbon Street, he was still like bourbon street back then that was where well all the white players played but and it was the hip place to be but he still was saying that it's it was still the tourist spot yeah because it's french quarter because yeah. it's french quarter but just in let in more of uh we're dressed up and we're going out to see music way instead of like we're drinking hurricanes on bourbon street like I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe it was just a different cultural thing.
0: But at the same, I think yeah, you saying that makes me think that that, pro- you know, like most working musicians, mm-hmm. right? They play uh, in, in that area because that's how they make a living, right? Yeah, on Frenchman Street um, usually, yeah, and and in the corner, and like, but he also is talking about playing at Mary's Bar, which was like a magazine that's further away, right? So you know, it's like. It maybe it wasn't that different, you know. Maybe it's like the working musicians, you know, they work in that area, but then they play in local neighborhoods too at different spots where you get mostly local crowd. Right. Right. You know, it probably wasn't that different.
2: It probably wasn't that different. I think. I think the how it looked visually was different. Well, I because mean, because
0: only white people in one place, and
2: well, yeah. Well, the segregation clearly. Yeah. Not that that you don't still see that. I mean, yeah. but um, but. Also, just I think thinking of the quarter in a way where everyone's dressed up and listening to this music and right. it's sh- like, you know, you're, everybody's not in cargo shorts and like beads and beads and stuff. Yeah. I think and there's just a kids. different. Well, that might have always happened. I don't really I don't know. I doubt that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I wasn't around. I don't know. Yeah. But I just. Yeah. I think uh, visually it's just such a different aesthetic. Yeah, going through the history of time.
0: Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's probably was. Working musicians have always worked in the quarter because that's where the that's, that's where, where the, the tourists, tourists are. come. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I love that. I love the Jimmy Buffett story. I especially liked hearing him talk about how he and Freddie met.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I think I had heard that Freddie was a mechanic, um, but i yeah i love just picturing wade going up and freddie's just working wrenching on cars and being like oh cool you want to play music that sounds awesome and then he says for jazz fest he says bring
0: it and then he's like we'll bring your guitar in tomorrow and i'll come by and he goes comes by the next day and he starts playing and and wade's like this is fucking good yeah i'll play with you yeah let's let's do this and then from then on for the next 30 years was that the 90s and then yeah in the 90s yeah um they've been you know playing together i, I mean
2: there's so, something super cool and low-key about just being there working your job just doing your everyday thing mm-hmm. and then you the next sentence is hey i need a band for jazz fest <laughs> it's know, like the biggest <laughs> festival in new orleans he's like
0: New Orleans, just
2: that's just very <laughs> New Orleans, you know, like you're just talking to some person, you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I'm doing this. You're like, I love how unassuming that is.
0: I, l- I love people, that. just cool. That story is so great. I can, I can like picture it in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. because you know, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of little Freddie when he was younger,
2: just the ones that are around the bar,
0: handsome dude, yeah, you know, I can just see him with the With all the you know the grease on his fingers behind the counter, like checking him out, and yeah, then like you know, <laughs> I can just totally see it I, I feel like I was there totally. when he tells the story, yeah, but um, I think that was definitely the highlight of that interview for me, um but soon we're gonna get the little Freddie King on here too, and we'll hear how yeah. he tells the story um among uh, uh, other many, many other stories mm-hmm. you know. um but it was such an honor to have echo on he's here he's fucking awesome I know he's I learned
2: so much he's he so dropped cool. so many players names that I've never heard of before I know um
0: it's and just yeah old R&B legends you know yeah. um so um that's it for today um we love you BJZians.
2: thanks for hanging out
0: yeah and uh check out this song this song <laughs> rocks it's so fucking hard <laughs> you're such a fan I am <laughs> such a fan it, the line of this is just the funny it's just the best he goes he goes I'm a cowboy, I'm a big old man. I know these roads like the back of my hand. It's Saturday night and we're feeling all right around here. <laughs> you know,
2: country music, it always hits. I
0: mean, it's just it rocks so hard. It's so it's funny but it rocks. It's fucking kick ass. JJ Adams, um check out this tune. I know you'll love it. All right, we'll catch you next time. Come on. Yes, you are correct. That was not J. J. Adams. <laughs> Damn, J. J. Adams sounds so good. <laughs> that is actually uh, some segue music that me and uh, Teddy Lamson Teddy! did um, to intro into our calendar. So we're gonna do the calendar, and then you're gonna we're gonna play the J. J. Adams for you.
2: I'm trying to find the calendar right now.
0: Okay. Well, I do know who's playing Friday.
2: Okay, well, Little I can't Freddy focus King. now because now my brain is just going serotonin release. Love you, Ted. Love you, Ted. That's all my brain's yeah. doing.
0: Well, Little Freddie King's playing Friday the 22nd.
2: Okay, we love Little Freddie too.
0: So when you come for that, listen to the drums, too. Uh, for real. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the guitar is great to listen to and Little Freddie's And know, Bobby. ...iconic voice. And Bobby Lewis's... I mean, but since we listen to Wade, come. Mm-hmm. And do, like, come. For, a song, for a song, just listen to Wade, Wade, what he does on the drums. It's amazing. Um... Also excited. What's on s- that Saturday the 23rd?
2: Saturday the 23rd, 9 p.m., which really means 9.45. <laughs> the Whip Appeal and We Hate Lindsey.
0: I love the Whip Appeal. I
2: love We Hate Lindsey. Wow. No, I don't know. I just felt like we couldn't just leave everybody out. It has to be even.
0: You know you do. Whip Appeal? And We Hate Lindsey. I
2: do. They're both great. Yeah. yeah. That, that's
0: a great matchup.
2: It's going to be a party show. Come on now.
0: And you know what it is? It's the first day of autumn also.
2: Oh, I'm going to be out of town. It's an
0: autumn, autumnal equinox show. First day of fall with appeal. Are you going to
2: gather up a bunch of leaves and then throw them all over everyone?
0: Yeah, duh.
2: It could be fun.
0: And and like do like uh, wear like... I don't know where you're going, but I
2: can just tell it's going to be weird. Pagan,
0: <laughs> nu- half nude pagan outputs. Why are you
2: always... First of all, uh, what's up with the nudity every time? I don't know, man. If y'all could see what an eye roll looks like.
0: Just need to grow up, I guess. I don't know. Anyway.
2: Don't make the pagans take on all of this. Pagans
0: were nude a lot, man.
2: Pagans are fucking cool.
0: Yeah. They didn't hardly wear any clothes. (laughs) There you go. Save me. Take that. (laughs) Take that. (laughs) Um, Oh, and and then the next Friday is so killer. Where
2: the next friday oh we're skipping all these okay the next friday the 29th little death and mango and big leather so little death
0: is will gantram's band you know will gantram well they haven't been they, they took a break for a while and okay but they're back great fucking band one of the, the best uh lyricists um in in town definitely so you need to see that and he curated that so um, Mango and Big Leather I don't even know Which I love that So I said Cool Will, I said Will I trust you You're a badass You pick the other bands And so that's gonna be A great show
2: Cool I'll be working Come and on And then
0: the next night What's that
2: Amigos de Samba Ooh, That's always out. a good show
0: Yeah um, I was just talking to Ricky um, From TV Pole mm-hmm. um, He said his highlight Of the entire summer Was when he saw Amigos de Samba oh wow at bj's about a month ago um man i think like sometimes bands and this is this is just i don't know what it, why it is but sometimes bands just really jive with certain places yeah you know like how little Freddie jives with bj's um and and there are bands that jive with other bars and they might come to bj's and play and the vibe is just, for some reason they just vibe out at a certain place You know, like, like the morning forties, we were, we played at the fucking high ho and we just vibed out there and certain places. And and for some reason, I like Amigos do samba right now. They just fucking totally just blow the roof off of BJ's when they They play. Um, So definitely don't miss that. And wear your dancing shoes because it's all about the groove, Latin grooves. Yeah. Um, So that's what we got. Um, and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a, a new guest and a new, new featured musical artist. Yeah. And no sneak
2: peeks. We're not telling you.
0: No sneak peeks. But, um, I have a feeling it might be somebody, a cool person.
2: They've all been fucking <laughs> cool. <I>
0: <laughs> no, it's going to be a total loser douche.
2: I kind of, th- <laughs> <laughs> it's not often you hear the word douche. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're going to see. I'm trying to have like three interviews in one episode, so cross your fingers that I make it work. Wow.
0: I like this marathon idea. Um, anyway, uh, sorry about the mix-up with uh, J.J. Adams and our, in our segue. Um, Y'all have
2: just been spoiled, and you got to hear a, way more good music than you even anticipated. That's right, baby.
0: All right, well, I'm starting to get delirious. So yeah, don't
2: show off. Okay, we're out. All right, Bye. Bye.